Weighing Machine was created to help you, the financial advisor or investor, reach your long-term financial goals. Each episode, your hosts, Rusty Vanneman and I, Robin Murray, cut through the market glamour to find the time-tested principles that help investors succeed. The Weighing Machine is inspired by the classic investing saying attributed to Benjamin Graham. The stock market is a voting machine in the short term and a weighing machine over the long run. In other words, emotion and expectations drive short-term market movement, but fundamentals and valuations determine returns over time. Welcome to The Weighing Machine. Enjoy, and as always, let us know what you think. On the podcast today, it is all about gold. We will take a deep dive into gold investing with a man who's such a gold pro, he's even named after it. (laughs) And I bet he's never heard that before. Our guest is Maxwell Gold, head of gold strategy at State Street Global Advisors, otherwise known as SSGA and the home of spider ETFs, including GLD, Spider Gold Shares, the first gold ETF that is nearly 20 years old and is one of the largest ETFs in the industry. Welcome to The Weighing Machine. I'm Rusty Vanneman. And I'm Robin Murray. Okay, let's start, as we always do, with a look at the markets. We are recording this at the end of July, as the news has just come in, that GDP shrank for a second quarter, technical definition of a recession. But, Rusty, is that really where we are? And does that definition at this point matter? Well, that is a popular definition, but it isn't exactly the definition. So again, the popular definition, if you get two consecutive quarters of economic growth contracting, in which looks like we're having right now in the first and second quarter, but really the precise definition is judged by an organization called the NBER, the National Bureau of Economic Research. And their definition is, I quote exactly, a significant decline in economic activity spread across the economy lasting more than a few months. So obviously quantitative data is used, but in the end, it's a qualitative assessment. The labor market is a key input. And right now the labor market is strong. There's more job openings than job seekers. I think probably if we look back at this point, it's not a recession yet. And I think there are a lot of buffers or cushions in place right now, whether we're looking at the labor market I just mentioned, housing, consumer strength, all of those have cracks, but all of them in absolute sense are still great. So it buys time for the economy to resolve its other issues. But that said, investors are talking about the chance of recession. It's scaring some investors. It's impacting client portfolios. But as investors, we should remember, if we are in a recession, the economy usually bounces during it because, of course, the market looks forward when a lot of the economic data, of course, is looking back at history. Is that a long enough answer? It's pretty long, but we'll take it. Okay, well, let's turn to our guest and bring him in. Maxwell Gold is head of gold strategy at State Street Global Advisors. Max, welcome to The Weighing Machine. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Nice. So the initiation right, of course, Maxwell, to The Weighing Machine is we need a walk-up song. And the possibilities, I'm excited to hear what your walk-up song is going to (laughs) be. So far today, definitely keeping with the theme of gold. So I was thinking, you know, I want something upbeat, you know, imagining myself stepping up to the batter's box at Yankee Stadium. So I went with a gold on the ceiling by the Black Keys. Certainly appropriate given the conversation today about gold, but you know, still, you know, a little bit of a banger in my mind. Nice. See, there are so many good options. That's a great one too. Awesome. Our playlist just got better. That's right. All right. Well, Max, well, you have spent several years at major firms, including Merrill Lynch and JP Morgan. Can you tell us more about your career and what drew you to specializing in gold? Yeah, I think you know, my career started you know about 15 years ago, right at the onset of the financial crisis in 2007, 2008. And you know, I was working at JP Morgan at the time. Most of my time was spent in the private bank, you know, working with the portfolio construction team, 
really cemented my appreciation for strategic asset allocation, the benefits of having a properly diverse portfolio, and really taking a deep dive at what your risk exposures exist across different asset classes and the risk contribution that different investments, different asset classes can really provide. And that was you know, sort of my entree to appreciation of the portfolio perspective from the investment principle side, as well as looking at alternative assets and including gold at the time, it was very much top of my mind. You know, flash forward, second half of my career, moved into other roles with firms focused on investment strategy, precious metals on certain ETF firms before joining State Street in 2019, about three years ago as the head of gold strategy, you know, heading up our team focused on the thought leadership research, as well as investment strategy for our gold-backed ETF suite and support there. That said, let's just get to like a really important question right off the bat, and let's just talk gold. And what is your outlook on the gold market for the remainder of the year and in the years ahead? Yeah, I think gold has been very resilient in 2022. I came into the year with the expectation that it could certainly surprise the upside, you know, with the expectation that you know, there may be some headwinds, but the tailwinds are still permanent for gold. And when you look at the gold performance you know, through the first half, really, at the end of July, it's down a little bit, but it's significantly outperformed equities, significantly outperformed bonds. And I do think that there's reason to be positive for gold throughout the second half of 2022. When you look at the tailwinds, you know, including inflation at a 40-year high, we've seen market volatility, pressure, uh, bonds, stocks, and other traditional asset classes and geopolitical volatility emerged at the first half of the year, really in the first quarter, where gold responded very strongly, nearly testing its recent all-time high that was set in 2020 uh, in March, where it hit about 2070 per ounce. It's come back a little bit since then, but I do think gold's still on a very strong footing. And given the headwinds of rising interest rates and Fed policy looking to tighten, a stronger U.S. dollar, which has certainly been a headwind for a lot of asset classes, as well as Chinese lockdowns, which have impacted the retail and jewelry demand for gold, which is incredibly important for the market. You know, despite those headwinds, gold has, has remained fairly steady and it's been performing as expected. You know, we've seen market volatility, geopolitical uncertainty, economic uncertainty. I think looking ahead to the back half of the year and into next year and beyond, I do think there's reason to be positive for gold from a performance perspective. I do think that its value as a source of diversification is, is spurring investment demand. I do think that when you look at overall elevated inflation, that's going to put a cap on real rates. And I do think that gold is going to continue to benefit as sort of a uh, asset class that has been undervalued for a long time. And I do think when you look at long-term secular bull markets for gold and that behavior, I think we're still in the midst of a longer-term secular bull market right now for gold that really began back in 2015. All right. So kind of bringing in a couple different topics here together. So you talked about portfolio construction earlier, and of course, talking about gold and the argument for it. Does gold deserve consideration for a permanent strategic allocation in investment portfolios? And if so, what should that weight be? Let's assume we're working with a 60-40 portfolio. Yeah, I think that's the right starting point. In my mind, that's the true value that gold provides to a portfolio, to any kind of asset allocation, is strategically over the long run. And when you look at gold's behavior, it's a very unique asset class. It does have that low negative correlation to stocks, bonds, other alternative assets out there over time. But not only that, it actually persists that low correlation. So it doesn't just have a low correlation in certain periods. It actually has a fairly steady and stable low and negative correlation to a lot of other key asset classes out there, which in times of high volatility, high uncertainty, does provide a lot of power to the portfolio, reducing your portfolio volatility, potentially improving your portfolio returns. And I do think that really shouldn't be overlooked. So that's really 
in my mind, the starting point of gold. It is a strategic asset. It is a very distinct asset class. It doesn't really behave like anything else out there, like other commodities or currencies or other risk assets. And so I do think it really deserves a spot in the portfolio as a strategic asset class and a strategic position. You know, really, that's that's my mindset. And I think that's really when you look at gold's benefits, it is serving as a core risk management tool to strategic allocations. In terms of what would be like an optimal allocation to gold from a strategic perspective, again, this varies depending on risk profiles, horizons, et cetera. But taking your example of a moderate 60-40 portfolio, when you look at the data across the diversified global multi-asset portfolios, the real optimal level tends to be somewhere between that 4 to 6 4 to 7% historically. Again, that's looking backwards, um, not really taking into account forward-looking, you know, what is the bonds role in a portfolio right now, given the challenges of inflation and, and interest rate volatility. But I do think that gold is continuing to serve a key component in that decision-making forward-looking. But really, when you look at regardless of risk profiles, I think you really want to have Anywhere between a two to ten percent strategic allocation of gold at all times, for, you know, depending on your risk profile. But I think that's really where you get that in best improvement, that best adjustment to your sharp ratio, your risk-adjusted return uh, for your portfolio. And I do think you know we do tend to see you know when you take a long position of gold above that ten percent threshold. Not to say that you couldn't tactically go above that in certain market environments, but you tend to see a diminishing return of that improvement to your sharp ratio, improvement to your overall portfolio risk taking. So. You know, long answer to your question, you know, optimal 60-40, somewhere between 4 to 6 4 to 7% historically. But I do think regardless, the optimal allocation to gold for a strategic portfolio should never be zero. You can benefit from improvement of your risk-taking, improvement of your portfolio exposures by having an active strategic allocation of gold, regardless of risk profile. Now, you touched on this already, talking about how gold correlates with the markets. But let's just stay on that for a moment. What are the typical risk characteristics for gold? Is it more volatile than the stock market? And how well does it diversify market risk? It really depends on which equity market you're looking at. Compared to U.S. equities historically, it's about about the same to slightly a little bit more in terms of gold's volatility to, say, the S&P 500. If you compare it to international equities or emerging market equities, gold historically is actually a little bit less volatile. So it's not at the extremes of some commodity markets out there. If you look at oil, which tends to be about 33% annualized standard deviation or volatility historically, even silver, that tends to be about twice as volatile as gold. So it really falls somewhere between you know U.S. equities and developed market equity volatility and some of those international emerging market commodity volatility there. So in terms of volatility, I'd say gold is one of the more tempered commodities out there in terms of its historical track record. But I I do think that it is certainly a different type of risk profile that it provides compared to some other asset classes. And in terms of its performance relative to equity volatility, its ability to hedge against that risk, I do think you know, when you look at gold's performance against realized volatility, you know, such as drawdowns in equity markets of 15% or more historically, gold does a very good job of hedging or protecting against that realized volatility, that downturn in markets broadly. And you know, I do think when you look you know, more shorter term, even more implied volatility you know, indices such as the VIX index as a measure of implied volatility in the market, Gold does a fair job of hedging against shorter-term implied volatility compared to the dollar, compared to U.S. bonds historically. So it does a great job of hedging both short-term and long-term volatility or risk in the marketplace while still providing you know, that, that efficient source diversification. So you know, back to my earlier comment, when you look at gold and evaluate it as an asset class, it's very unique. It's very distinct. It's hard to replicate its exact factors or, or risk exposure it provides 
compared to any other asset class out there. I'm glad you brought up hedging because that kind of ties into my next question. So a lot of times you hear that gold is a great inflation hedge. First of all, is it? And then secondly, is gold a hedge for other stuff besides market volatility and potentially inflation? Yeah, I think the relationship between gold and inflation is more nuanced than a lot of people realize. When you ask, is it an inflation hedge? My response is, well, it depends on what type of inflation you're actually looking at. You know, I think most commonly people go to price inflation, such as CPI or PCE indices out there that track those baskets of goods and services. But overall, when you look at gold's price inflation sensitivity, it is you know, a little bit you know, lower than other more cyclical commodities out there, such as energy, oil and gas, or even other industrial metals like copper, aluminum, nickel, zinc. When you look at it comparatively to a 60-40 global portfolio, its inflation sensitivity is a little bit higher than that. So it doesn't detract from its overall sensitivity of inflation movements over time. The real power and real benefit of gold's a quote-unquote inflation hedge comes online in my mind from monetary inflation and gold's ability to serve not as an inflation hedge per se, but much more as a store value asset and an ability to preserve spending power, particularly over the long run, over several years, if not longer. And when you take that mindset into play here, so what we have is that gold broadly keeps up with price fluctuations over time while hedging against in conjunction with currency depreciation. So really, that's a real powerful benefit to hedge against price inflation, yes, but much more so hedging against monetary inflation as in the form of weaker dollar, particularly for U.S. investors and over time currency depreciation from fiscal spending from monetary policies throughout history. So. I do think that that's how my take of gold and its ability to hedge, quote unquote, inflation. It's a little bit more nuanced than a lot of people tend to think about. But I think that's really the right mindset to evaluate gold and its ability to much more so preserve wealth and preserve spending power over time than just a pure short term hedge against CPI figures month to month or quarter to quarter. And can you walk us through some of the ways that investors can own gold and what are some of the pros and cons of each method? I think, you know, there are several different vehicles, several different ways to gain exposure to gold, the metal itself. Certainly at State Street, we provide a suite of products that provide direct exposure to metals through the ETF structure. In my mind, that's one of the best, you know, most cost-effective, liquid, and efficient ways to gain exposure to the spot price of gold. There are other investment vehicles that have been around for uh, several years, several decades. You know, futures contracts are another common way to gain exposure to commodities such as gold. I do think there's certainly considerations from that contracts. They do mature. So you have to continually roll those assets into new contracts and that potentially detract from your overall total return or total performance. And certainly there's a bit of leverage to manage around that. So it's not the best way for maybe some investors that are not as sophisticated are not looking to gain exposure in their investments through margin or through other leveraged vehicles. And then additionally, the, the longest way, the longest track record way to gain exposure to gold is you know, directly into physical bars and coins. And I get a lot of questions about this. Is that a better way than other investment vehicles like ETFs or futures contracts or other investments offerings out there? And I do think it, it, there is a cool factor to a physical bar and coin you're holding an American Eagle or True Grand in your hand. Certainly it does you know, spark a lot of thoughts in your mind. But you know, there are other considerations such as costs. You know, you're taking on the risk of storage, the risk of insurance, the risk of illiquidity. And really, you're likely going to be paying a premium above the spot price to buy that bar or coin directly. And you know, there's also considerations of you know, authenticity, concerns about security. You know, certainly you have to put it somewhere and make sure that it, it stays safe. 
you know, a lot of vehicles such as ETFs out there that invest directly to gold provide all that in a simple cost-effective expense ratio every year. So I do think that if you're looking for an investment vehicle to get exposure to gold to tactically rebalance, to manage your exposure, you know, my mind, I think ETFs are one of the best ways out there. A lot of investors, I think, like, will buy this argument, but there's a lot of potential substitutes. And I would like to walk through a couple of those. So first of all, you know, I've heard, you know, some investors say, I like gold, but if you like gold, you should really own gold mining stocks. So what is your opinion on that? Should people own gold mining stocks instead of gold or should they own it in a complement or what is your thought on that? Yeah, in my mind, there, you know, gold mining equities or gold stocks are certainly a valid investment but they shouldn't be viewed as a substitute or proxy for gold in your portfolio. The reason being is that at the end of the day, these are equity investments. They're going to behave like equities. They're going to you know, perform similarly to equities during market downturns. They're likely going to you know, capture a lot more of that downside risk when you want gold in your portfolio to provide a, a ballast or a protection against that during periods of turmoil. I do think you know, there's other drivers beyond purely the gold market fundamentals that drive the metal itself that are driving these investments in equities and companies such as what are their costs, what's the input cost, what's the competition, what's the profitability. So overall, there's a lot more considerations beyond purely the outlook for gold and metal itself for a lot of these investments in the mining equity side. So I do think that it's not an apples-apples comparison. If you are interested in investing in, in gold mining equities, I think that should be budgeted from your equity allocation of your portfolio, not as a proxy or substitute for gold, which again provides a very distinct exposure from a portfolio construction standpoint. That makes sense. Okay. And so another potential substitute is if you like gold, I hear this, if you like gold, you'll really love silver. What about silver? Is that a substitute for gold investing? This sort of comes into the territory, given the historical linkages between gold and silver and the, the bimetallic monetary era of the 19th, early 20th century. And really, when you look at silver, in my mind, it behaves a little bit more like a traditional industrial or base metal like copper, aluminum, nickel, zinc, et cetera. The reason being is when you crack open the fundamental source of demand for silver compared to gold, there are some key differences. Half of annual silver demand every year is tied to the industrial sector. So it is much more highly geared towards overall industrial production, manufacturing, and the global economic cycle. Gold is levered a little bit more towards the consumer, specifically on the jewelry side of things. So half of the annual demand on average for gold is tied to jewelry demand. Initially, when you look at investment demand for both of these metals, silver, it's a little bit lower than gold on average, you know, know, 15 to 20% compared to 20 to 30% for gold. So much more higher investment demand for gold every year globally compared to silver. And another key missing component for gold demand is central banks. You know, they account for about 8 to 10% of gold demand every year on average. When you look at silver, there is no central bank demand. Central banks don't use silver as a reserve asset. So that's a key distinction between the two as well. And then when you look beyond just the fundamentals between gold and silver, silver is a much smaller market overall in terms of dollars traded. So it tends to be much more volatile, as I mentioned, about twice as volatile historically. And it does you know, potentially drive a lot more volatility in the market in terms of your tactical positioning or your outlook for the different metals and from a return perspective. So I do think when you're comparing gold to silver, there are some key fundamental differences, some key differences in terms of how the markets operate and trade. And at the end of the day, when you look at the track record for gold, your gold on an inflation-adjusted basis has significantly outperformed silver on an inflation-adjusted basis. 
about three and a half percent since 1970 compared to about one and a half percent for silver. So silver has a tough time maintaining its gains over the long run. And that's really not the case for gold, which has that proven track record as a store value asset, as a asset tied to a lot of aspects of daily life. Okay, what if investors are using gold because they want to protect themselves from inflation? If that's the case, should they also consider a broad-based commodity index? Should they buy that instead of gold in addition to? I think when you look at gold compared to other broad-based commodities, particularly in the energy sector and the traditional metal sector, uh, again, industrial metals like copper, there are some key distinctions. When you look at the sensitivity to price inflation, you know there's a much higher sensitivity for energy, industrial metals, and agriculture because when you look at CPI, other price inflation measures and indices, you know, two of the biggest components are food and energy costs. So, of course, there's going to be a much higher correlation between that. But I do think when you compare gold, it does have a little bit lower price inflation sensitivity compared to broad commodities. Again, looking over a full economic cycle, the downside potential capture for broad commodities you know, more than offsets any potential upside in the outperformance side of the economic phase. So bottom line is you know, gold you know, may underperform on the upswing, but it more than outperforms broad commodities on the downswing. So over a full cycle, gold is a much better investment option in my mind to protect against not just inflation risk, but overall market risk for your portfolio. And I do think there are some key distinctions between implementing exposure to gold, which is inherently designed to be an investment. It, it's you know, stored. It does provide a lot of economic value in a dense bar of metal compared to broad commodities, which can potentially deteriorate. You know, they can rust, they can tarnish, they can go bad. So again, gold is sort of you know, inherently designed to last and be a stable asset over the long run, which is not necessarily the case for some broad commodities. So some key distinctions there, but I do think for investors interested in inflation, you know, yes, you know, commodities may be outperforming initially, but I think you know, over the long run, Gold provides a, a lot of their unique characteristics that you know, go beyond purely price inflation. So we haven't talked about Bitcoin much on the show lately, but I wanted to get your view on Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies that many people are calling digital gold. Yeah, I mean, by no means am I a cryptocurrency or blockchain expert, but you know, I've been getting this question for about five years now, ever since that first Bitcoin rally from 2017 to 2018. And really, in my mind, I don't see the, the direct comparison. In my mind, it's not really apples to apples between gold and cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. It's not really apples and oranges, even. It's just something like apples or dragon fruit, something completely different in terms of trying to compare the two. And the reason being is there's three key distinctions strategically, in my mind, between gold and cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. The first is the argument of store value. If you look at gold, it has a track record of hundreds of years, if not thousands of years, serving as a store value, preserving wealth, preserving purchasing power over the long run, as well as its overall volatility in recent years compared to cryptocurrencies since they've launched in the last 11 or 12 years or so. You know, Bitcoin is much more volatile than gold and much more volatile than the US dollar or other reserve currencies out there that are viewed as store value assets. So I do think you know, the argument of cryptocurrencies being a form of storage of value, I think is too early, too nascent at this point, whereas gold has that track record of serving as that vehicle, as well as providing a much uh, lower volatility asset to do so. The second argument really is the motivation. I think cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin and others as such, are very much driven by the motivation of upside potential of you know what's the return potential. And when you look at the motivation to invest in gold on average, I would say the investors are interested in, in adding gold for much more downside protection. So it's very much 
uh, diametrically opposed motivation to the other side of the coin. So whereas one is a asset that garners motivation to invest in it because it is potential upside, I think that a lot of investors invest in gold to protect against the downside. So I really don't see that similarity in motivation to invest in gold compared to some cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. And then finally, you know, when you look at the fundamental real world usage of gold compared to cryptos, you know, using the thought experiment of if we were to decide that today the gold price is zero, tomorrow there would be knocks on doors of miners, knocks on doors of refiners, of fabricators saying, I need gold to meet the demand to produce my jewelry uh, products. I need gold to add to my electronics, be used in semiconductors and iPads and computers and iPhones, et cetera. So I do think, you know, there's a real world usage for gold. It's about 60% of gold demand every year is tied to jewelry, technology, and consumer applications, as well as industrial applications. So even if you remove that investment component from gold demand, there's still a real world applicability to it. If you apply that same thought experiment to cryptocurrencies, they're really no different from any other fiat currency. If we were to decide today that the price of Bitcoin intrinsic value is zero, tomorrow no one would be interested in holding uh, cryptocurrencies or Bitcoin. So I do think that that's another key distinction between gold, which has intrinsic value, which is positive and has real world usages compared to cryptocurrencies. Excellent. Okay, I guess you know a little bit about the topic of gold. Is there anything else we should be thinking about the gold asset class? I think, you know, really don't underestimate gold and and not only its ability to provide a benefit for diversification and and protection against a lot of risks out there. You know, in my years of looking at the gold market, you know, by no means is it a perfect hedge, but it's a very robust hedge where it can provide protection against multi-forms of risk. It's a, a multifaceted risk management tool in my mind. So I do think it plays an important role for every portfolio out there and really should not be overlooked, even if you think that its short-term performance may not be as strong as it's been recently or compared to other asset classes. It does serve an important risk management role for all portfolios in my mind. We're now going to switch gears to some of our favorite questions to kind of close out our podcast. And the first one is, given our professional and personal responsibilities, we all have an obligation to perform at a high level. So how do you maintain your health, both physical and mental, to ensure you're performing at a high level? I think if you asked me this question three years ago before the pandemic, I'd have a different answer compared to now. My tongue-in-cheek response is coffee, lots and lots of coffee to keep me animated. But I do think, you know, more seriously that I'm a big believer that the first hour of the day really sets the tempo for the rest of the day for you to ability to perform and to remain you know, strong mentally and physically. So I do think that creating some kind of ritual or some kind of your morning routine is very important. For me, during the pandemic, I bought a row machine so that I commit you know, 20, 30 minutes every morning to do so, not just for physical health, but much more for mental health to get that routine going. That really starts my day off on, a, on the right foot, you know, grab my coffee, breakfast, and get ready to really attack the day. So that's really my findings in the last couple of years you know, from the lockdown. But I do think that, you know, again, coffee is an important ingredient to that. <laughs> do you drink a lot of coffee before you row? I uh, try not to, mostly afterwards. Otherwise, say, the yeah, heart yeah. rate is going to get too high. <laughs> All right. Well, another one that we like to ask our guests is for content recommendations. So our listeners can add to their reading lists and their playlists. So do you have any suggestions, books, newsletters, podcasts, anything for our listeners? Yeah, I think you know, I'm a big history nerd, especially a financial market history nerd. I'm reading a book right now. It's called uh, Money for Nothing. And it really goes into the historical case of the South Sea Company and the bubble that formed there in England in the 1700s. 
with some interesting characters in the midst of it, you know, particularly Sir Isaac Newton was involved in that. It's interesting because when you read through that, you know, happened almost 300 years ago compared to today. There's a lot of through lines, a lot of threads connecting to the world today, markets today. So I do think it's, you know, looking to history for, you know, examples of you know, what's happening and trying to understand, you know, the markets today and the overall world, I think is, is very important. So I do think that that's been an interesting read for me, again, leveraging my focus on history and really the interesting nature there. All right. Well, good stuff. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Max. How can listeners stay in touch and learn more about what you're doing at State Street? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You can certainly find all of my research, all of our team's research around gold, gold market, how to invest in gold and its role in a portfolio on our website at State Street Global Advisors, SSGA.com. Look for our spider section. There's tons of resources for our gold capabilities, as well as our other products and opportunities out there. Well, Max, thanks for coming on. Gold is a hot topic with many of our listeners. And I know this podcast was the last thing before your summer holiday. So thanks for your time. Have a great holiday and enjoy the rest of your summer. Absolutely. You, you as well. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this week. Rusty, take us out with your final words. Invest well and be well. We'll be back soon. Thanks for listening to The Weighing Machine. And thank you for your time and trust in Orion Advisor Solutions. The Weighing Machine is hosted by Rusty Vanneman, Chief Investment Strategist at Orion Advisor Solutions, and me, Robin Murray, freelance writer and editor. If you have feedback or questions about our podcast today, please send us a note at rusty at orion.com. All opinions expressed by Rusty Vanneman and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and don't reflect the opinion of or endorsement by Orion, its affiliate subsidiaries, and its employees. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for legal, tax, and investment decisions. The opinions are based upon information that participants consider reliable.